What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain before we get started, I want to talk about my new clothing collection launched through Onnit called the Aubrey Marcus Collection. So I love fashion, I love style, but living in Austin, I find it hard to actually shop for anything. You know, the t-shirt cuts are kind of off the rack, they blossom out at the bottom, nothing really fits right. So even like trying to get a plain tee, I have a really hard time unless I'm shopping in LA or shopping in New York or shopping in Vegas and I have my shops. So I figured there's a lot of other people around the country who kind of feel the same way. And so I started working with my Italian designer friend, Giuseppe, and we worked together on a former clothing line called Space and now kind of evolved it to the grown-up version with the Aubrey Marcus collection. Went back and forth over a year with all the help of the Onnit design team and launched the Aubrey Marcus collection. It has kicks, it has joggers, it has sweat jeans, it has a knit blazer, a bunch of different cool shirts with different cuts. I'm literally wearing at least one of these pieces every single day. I love them. I think you guys will love them too. You can find it at AubreyMarcusCollection.com and follow on Instagram at AubreyMarcusCollection. You talk about trainers that work with celebrities. There is one name that rises above all the others, and that's my friend Gunnar Peterson. He's been kind enough to let me in his gym. His gym looks like a goddamn museum. And you also might have seen people like Kim Kardashian posting pictures with our Captain America plates. Well, that's thanks to Gunnar Peterson. He's got a really interesting perspective. He is a dope trainer, and I think you guys are going to dig this podcast. Gunnar Peterson, my man. The man, the myth, the legend. Wow. How you doing? I'm so good now that I'm here. Can you believe I was late? I'm never late to anything. I haven't been late to anything since, I think, anthropology class in college. That's a pretty good track record. Yeah. I'm late sometimes. It happens. I go to work super early, so I don't have traffic. <laughs> I don't have the traffic issues people talk about in L.A. Yeah. There are some people, though, who are chronically late and just don't fix it. You know, that is a, that is a funny thing. Someone told me that if they're late all the time or if they cut lines, that it's a passive sign that they feel their time is more important than yours. Uh, Maybe more thought out than the average late person Right. Would give it credit for, but... It's, a, it's definitely a passive form of resistance, right? You know, it's like some way in which they're not actively addressing some resistance. Or they're not complying they with the rule. They're showing you that they're breaking the rules. <laughs> yeah, in some way. It's on their time, yeah. <laughs> in some way. Well, man, you've, uh, you've really accomplished a remarkable amount in the training space. And you take one foot inside your gym... And you see the walls are just covered in memorabilia and heartfelt messages from 
legends. Someone asked me once, what do you have against white walls? I said, what do you mean? All your walls are covered, wall to wall. Said, ceilings are covered. Yeah, they like are. Like basketballs and let's, let's jerseys. Let's be more creative than that. How about the ceilings are quilted in jerseys? <laughs> I like that. Right? It's like thought that. out. How about the Hard Rock Cafe and Planet Hollywood and all those, the way they're done, and there's an energy that Yeah, but comes. they bought that shit, and I have a feeling, like, <laughs> I have a feeling like you earned it and were given all of those tokens. It's funny. From, in, the, in the beginning, I wasn't opposed to buying stuff at auction, just if it was someone that I thought was phenomenal or had achieved a lot in their space, and now I look at that, I go, why would I buy that? Right. But, you know, we start how we start, and it's funny because you when it's in there, then people... They want their stuff up there. Sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're developing that and on it. We got the hood of a crash car and, Looks, you know, yeah, that kind of mitts and gloves and jerseys and baseball bats and Are all kinds of Are you framing them? Yeah. Even the hood of the car? Or does that Well, sit? the hood of the car just sits on the wall. That, yeah. If it's hung up, that's cool. So if it's leaning at the bottom, it looks like lazy, like a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But if it's, if it's hung, hung in an artistic way, it's very cool. Uh-huh. I love that stuff. Yeah, no doubt. What, is, what are some of the things, I really want to dive in, because you get an opportunity to spend time with people that have no time. And so you get an insight into kind of who they are, like what makes them tick, whether it's a, you know, famous celebrity or whether it's a peak performing athlete. You know, like what are some of the things you, you just learn from these people who come through your facility? So I just had this conversation with the woman that uh, I was working with before I came over here. And... Uh, she talked about certain actors being chronically late, and that's the, why the lateness thing, it was funny that it happened today. And she said it's it's disrespectful, and she said it makes other people who work with them not like them. And she said all of the real pros are always on time. And I had to go through my Rolodex of people I've worked with, and I think she's pretty much right. The above-title people, the top-tier people— uh, the ones who have careers that are the ones that are hot for decades, not just years, in my experience, are pretty much always on time. Mm-hmm. Not only they on time, but I always have their numbers and I deal with them directly. Mm-hmm. Versus the ones who you go through uh, a cadre of, of uh, you know, the the the, the different walls, the of, handlers, and yeah, the, the, yeah, the ports of entry, and you're like, how do I? Who do I call next? Do I? I'm waiting on the manager. Should I call the assistant? I talk to the assistant. Should I talk to the valet? And it becomes a whole thing. But the top tier people, you can go right to them. And in my experience, I think she's right. They've always been on time. So timeliness would be one. What do you make of that? I mean, what is that? Why is that? I don't know. I mean, I want to say that it's because they're they're respectful of your time, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's more they're respectful of their own time. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to waste it. And they want to be, if it's an hour workout, they want you know 60 minutes. Yeah. They know what they need. They're willing to show up and get it, and they're accu- maybe accurately assessing the amount of effort that it takes because a lot of times, even if you have people handling something, it is way easier just to send that quick text, be in direct communication, have that accountability, and just do it. And they get the answer right away, they too. They get the answer. Yeah. They also, I would imagine, have things stacked up back end, at least the people who are at my facility. When they're out, they're out. They don't want it to go over, mm-hmm. not, not just because they're done training, but because they have somewhere else to be, and after that, somewhere else to be. And so... You know, it has to function like, you know, like a Swiss watch for everything to come together. I wonder if there's something to do, you know, if you talk about respect, you know, being on time, being a sign of respect. If they respect you, then it probably means they respect themselves in a certain way. You know, it's it's like what you do to others, you kind of do to yourself. You know, like if you're disrespectful to other people, you're probably disrespectful at a deep level 
to yourself. And if you're disrespectful at a deep level to yourself, and I'm just puzzling this out, perhaps you don't feel like you really deserve the success because underlying you know that you're being disrespectful, you're not acting in accord with what your own internal moral compass looks like. So there's like a self-loathing. At like the a little bit of self-loathing of there yeah. that prevents them from reaching that highest level. Whereas if you're out there respecting others, you know, that is a reflection of you. And then you feel more like, yeah, you fuck yeah, I deserve that Oscar. I deserve that Golden Globe. I deserve to hold that NBA championship, you know. It's that adage of how you do anything is how you do everything. And if they if they treat themselves like that, if they treat you like that, then there's a trickle-down effect. And they're also going to be putting forth every minute of that workout, every set, every rep, every interval, whatever we're doing, they're on it. Mm-hmm. That's another reason why I love working with those, th- those high achievers, right? I love being around the people um, who who not only have done a ton in their field, but still have a ton more to do in their field. And they talk about, um, they, they rarely talk about what they've done in the past. They talk about what they're going to do. Right. Right. The, 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 the athletic champions, they don't talk about what they won last year. They talk about this year they want to win it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that fires me up. And versus the people who talk about, you know, what they did six years ago or five years ago when they were uh, nominated or, you know, that's not... Yeah, kind of go, dude, how far back are we going with this? <laughs> What's the shelf life on this story? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like if, they, if you're hearkening back to some past laurel and you're using that to I, you make up your identity today. It, right. it just Don't shows, you have shit to do today? <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of a lack of confidence in the expression of where you are. Even if that expression changes, even if your career as a ball player is over, you know, what are you doing now? Now, yeah, is, you it, don't now talk- is it family? And now is it fucking your speaking? And now is it inspiration, teaching? What are you doing? You don't talk to someone who's on the, on the bubble of your life about your past accomplishments. I think that looks soft. I think that looks like you have nothing else going on. You may mm-hmm. talk, you know, you may reminisce with family or with, you know, old roommates or that kind of thing. But I think when you're dealing with somebody, regardless of how you get, how close you get as a trainer, you know, to, to there was a funny thing, they're not your friends. Um, and that does, there are exceptions to that rule. And I'm sure people are, no, that's not, they're my great friends. I went to their kids' bar mitzvah. Yeah. I, I, I know you did. <laughs> they're not your friends. Um, but there are, there are people that cross over for sure. And there are, I mean, I've had people, uh, I've had three people become godparents to my kids who were all people who trained with me. Mm-hmm. And eventually that, that evolves. They go from, from clients to friends to pretty much family. Um, but it's, it's, if you look, if I, have, if I have three, and then let's say triple that, say I've got nine, so let's round it. i got a dozen out of all the years. I've been doing this oh, 29 year, years now. That's not a lot. Low percentage. <laughs> yes, that sucks. Low percentage. But you know, <laughs> It's like that... my free throw percentage. <laughs> There it's out. I, got, I feel so much better getting off my wow, chest. Good, good for you. I mean, I think that's true about, you know, friends in general, though. I mean, finding really good friends is not an easy Did you have endeavor. that conversation with your parents when you were a kid? My mom said to me, I think I was 12 or 13, she said, if you have a handful of kids, a handful of friends when you're older, if you can count them all on one hand, then you've had, it, then you've had a good run. And I remember thinking, that's pathetic. My God, yeah. how unpopular are you? I have yeah. hundreds of friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, at 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my mom used to encourage me to go out and meet five new people today, yeah. <laughs> you right. know. And uh, it was, it's interesting, you know, because ultimately I was, I was a bit of a shy kid. But now I get to interact with so many different people. I actually, 
it's really now about how much time and priority I now can the, put the, to cultivate the friendships. The colander becomes a lot. The little holes in the in the friend colander becomes a lot thinner, right? Yeah. They, they become thinner. So you don't let people, I mean, you let them in a little bit mm-hmm. and then you see, can they make it to the, can they level up? Because the real magic comes from taking those friendships even deeper. Yeah. You know, like really, you know, spending that super quality time with somebody. You're and, not and, talking about nudity, right? <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. Okay. Just Potentially. Wait. I'm just trying to see where you're going with that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, it's... Those are very good friends. Those are the... Yeah, and that there's, that's the... <laughs> depending on what I, happens. I have a friend who said this. He goes, is that guy your buddy? And he was talking about a kid who was training at my facility. I said, he goes, when you go in the restroom, do you close the door? I go, what? He goes, because around like you're real good buddies, you don't do that. And I thought that was an interesting for him benchmark of a level of friendship. I could just be benchmark of like upbringing. Right. Right. Oh, and also athletic background too. Like you spend enough time in a locker room and then you realize that there's going to be swinging dicks everywhere you Correct. are. So it doesn't really Correct. fucking matter. <laughs> yeah. There's that. But I thought that was, you know, everybody has in their mind, I'm close enough to that guy. We're buddies enough yeah. that I'm not going to close the door today. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on if you're shitting or it, if you're it, See? There's everybody. <laughs> apparently, you have See, thought this too. I, I, I close the door if I'm shitting around a homie, but yeah. I will not around my girlfriend, fiance. <laughs> you know, you like, will not close the door. Oh, hell no, no. Doors open. Doors open if I'm shitting in front of my lover, but if I'm around my homie, wow. I have the respect. I, I need to write this down. <laughs> I have the respect to close the door this in that case. So, wow. And is that from, day, from the from, from the drop? I was going to say from the jump, but I didn't want to say from the dump and mess that up because then. <laughs> from well, the drop. That is, I never really thought about it like that. But yeah, like I wouldn't, I hadn't I wouldn't either. shit in front of my, my buddies. From your buddies, right? Yeah, but I will, I will have, I will have Whitney. What about Sibley? I will have Sibley? Whitney sit down on the tile and chat with me. Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me. I forgot my phone. Talk to me while I'm moving my bowels. Uh, uh, what about around a sibling? Uh, yeah, I used to I used to shit around my little sister. And then you get older, and it's weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it would be a little weird, and not that weird because I did it so much. My <laughs> sister Shannon, and I, like, I would do the same thing. Come, come, chat with me. <laughs> Family, but yeah, just not my homies. I don't know why. Uh, that see. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Uh, what the fuck were we talking about? Before? We were talking about that. That's some, that is. <laughs> oh, friends. Yeah, man. And I, and I think uh, <clears throat> that investment. It's like put. It's like putting money in a bank. You know, like you make deposits and then you have build an account balance. So wait, you remember you that withdrawals. old? You remember, you're probably not old, uh, Bonfire of the Vanities. No. The film, Tom Hanks film, Tom Wolf book. Stay with me. And one of the, one of the things that he talked about was uh, life is a big favor bank. And you're either making a deposit or withdrawal in the favor bank. Mm-hmm. And I try to encourage my kids, don't always be like withdrawing. Yeah. To, do a favor. Do something cool. Do something nice. Whether it's asked of you or or you could think ahead, I know I'm going to see so-and-so when he's coming from this. I should bring him a dry T-shirt or, you know, I'm going to plan that we get lunch and have this. Ma- Put a favor. Do something nice. Pay it forward, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the law of reciprocity, right? And I think the more you can trust that and lean into that, the more you'll receive in return. You know, just give without the intention of receiving, right. trusting that the universal law that we all have this internal compass, and the more you give, Man, generally, the more you get back. There's some times when it's hard to trust. Fuck yeah, you're, it is. You're like, hey, 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 I've been trusting you for four days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, need, I need a sign. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and there is times where where that'll get blocked, right? Like something, some delusion will be internally blocking that law of reciprocity, some resentment. I mean, particularly we're talking in romantic relationships now. There'll be some resentment, some anger, some something that is blocking, you know, no matter how many nice things you do, no matter how many flowers and cards. How many and dumps you take in front of that person. Exactly. There's right. something blocking them from actually giving back. And maybe that's their own fear, their own fear of rejection, their own anything coming up. And that's when you have to really take a look and say, hey, the flow is off here. You know, my flow forward is not being received with your flow backwards. What's up? What's there? Is and there see, I would address there? that. That's what you got to do. Yeah, all day. You have to. I can't let it sit. I'll, I'll walk in. Even if it's my wife and I'll go, what's going on? It's weird in here. What's the answer? It's weird in here. She'll yeah. go, it's weird in here because you just made it weird. And I'll say, no, 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 no. I read people for a living. There is something off in this house. Two hours later, I'll find out that something happened and everybody knew I'd get upset. So they didn't, hi- they hi- they hid it from uh-huh. me. I'm like, yeah, you might have hid, you, you might have hidden it by not telling me, but I felt that in here. Mm-hmm. So let's air it out. I would always address that. Yeah, you have to. Truth is love, ultimately. Like, you can't really have one or the other, you know, like, and you need to, you need to be able to share those pretty freely with a close friend or with a lover, or the whole thing starts to get a little squirrely. Then it starts to get, like, manipulation. Then it's not honest. Yeah. And then everything becomes, what are you doing? All right. Where'd you go? Who are you talking to? All right. Where were you? (laughs) Yeah, not the place, not the Uh, place you want to be. Oh, no, I'm too old for that nonsense. I mean, and I think people are afraid of this truth idea because they think, well, if I just told the truth, you know, I'd be telling everybody how ugly they are. Like, if no. that's really your truth, you're just showing people that you think in really and dumb ways. And circle back to self-loathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, truth doesn't have to be judgment. You know, there's a truth that's beyond judgment. There's a truth that sees and there's some things way that, more than that. It's a universe. We get that. We know that. Let's let's accept the fact you're ugly. We don't have to. We don't have to. Yeah. Like as we walk in, we don't yeah. have to. I don't have to. Some. <laughs> I don't have to address you and score that and then move forward right. with how we're going to interact. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> using those truth and love interchangeably and knowing that those two ride together. You know, that's like fucking. Um, Lewis and Clark, <laughs> you know, like, like you got to have those two in, in lockstep or you're probably not going to have either to the fullest extent. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't get. And when you need it, you got to just ask Sacagawea. I don't know what that means. Was it Sacagawea <laughs> who they got the... Oh, was that, was that Lewis and Clark reference? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Right? All right. Yeah, you know more about Lewis and Clark Oof. than me. You <laughs> threw that out. Sacagawea. Well, it's just Sacagawea is a funny word anyway. <laughs> it is a funny word. I might get a dog a name is Sacagawea just because of today. Uh-huh. A dollar to anybody who can spell that right here without <laughs> having to Google it. Well, I'm going to stop at Sack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> so what else, man? What are what are some of these other... One of my things, you know what? You, you talked uh, before we went on this, things coming up, projects coming up, uh, tons of stuff coming up. It's one of those things now at this stage where you almost wish you had a dollar for everyone that was presented versus everyone that was executed, even at its full dollar value. But one of the things, uh, it's a personal project. I'm, I want to come to Onnit. I want to come. I haven't been there. You got to come, wanna, man. I, just, I actually just want to take the Mace class. Do it. Because there's something about, I see the videos. You guys put out such terrific content on uh, Instagram, which, by the way, uh, I'm going to get, uh, I, I use the, <laughs> you'll like this. Uh, sometimes when people try to sound like authorities on a lot of things, I go, Dude, you have a degree from Instagram University. You're not really an authority on that subject. You scroll the feed of like four things that are so, – no, 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 no. You're not an expert. Shut up. But I follow 
you guys, Primal Soldier, Eric, mm-hmm. I, I follow um, the other gym associates, all those things. Mm-hmm. And there's so much going on there. And then I got to meet Sam and and I think you got I gotta go there. Yeah. I gotta just You gotta. Right? Like just roll through. But I wanna Please. take that makes class because you don't see those advertised somewhere. Like back in the day, a thousand years ago, I took Pavel's kettlebell class when there were mm-hmm. like like four people had kettlebells, right? Like me, Pavel, uh I'm trying to think who else, Leviticus. Uh it was like, you know, way back in the day and now everybody, right? But the Maces, that's a cool thing. You guys are doing a lot of cool things, so that's one of my projects is yeah, to come there and absolutely. See I mean, well, the Mace training is over a thousand years old, uh, literally. Right, but it's been dormant for 962, exactly, so thanks for bringing it back. Exactly, <laughs> and it's definitely one of the favorite implements that, uh, that we have going on. We have there. them all. We have mm-hmm. all yours in the yeah. gym, but... You know. But to maximize what you can do right, with them, exactly. yeah, get the education. I like to watch it. people pick them up like they're Indian clubs. I'm like, uh, you're going to struggle with that, pal. Yeah, yeah. Hold it at the end. <laughs> <Right. please. laughs> Good luck with that. Right. Yeah, for so sure. So that, uh, that's a cool project. Um, maybe expanding the gym, maybe moving. We've got a gym design business, and we're doing some pretty fun stuff. We did the Dream Hotel Hollywood. We have uh, two more Dream Hotels to do cool. and two more other hotels. And since no one's asking for exclusivity, then we're not going to, you know, okay, no problem. We can just keep cranking them out and trying to put quality equipment and um, and making hotel gyms more real workout people friendly versus not that there's anything wrong with, with weekend warriors. I think that's great. It's a great place to start, but you can't be a weekend warrior your whole life. Yeah. Um, so the gym design business is fun and cool and, and it's, it, you know. You can express yourself. If that's you... such a huge. That's such a huge thing when a hotel has a good gym, isn't it? You know, it's like the best reason enough to go back. Oh, hundred percent. Because you can always, if the restaurant sucks, you can always find a restaurant in town. Right. But a gym in town may be a bit of a stretch. Like I go to Miami specifically because I can go to the one hotel, and they have the Spartan Gym, which is like as close to the Onnit Gym as you can find out there, there in you Miami. Go. And then go there. They have this place called Plant House. They got one smoothie that I like that I get every day. Yeah. And, you know, get a workout, get a smoothie, go to the beach. That's like, the routine. It's the, it's ideal. So I think hotels need to kind of pay attention to how important that is. That was our discussion when we did uh, the Dream Hotel Hollywood. The, luckily, uh, the guy, the developer who's a terrific guy was on board with it. He's all about brand layering. So he wanted to bring us in just from a name standpoint. And I like the idea of having the gym be as thought out as, you know, they do the restaurant, right? So they're, they're choosing a certain kind of flatware. They're choosing um, the wall decor, what's going to absorb sound, how, how the music's going to be. Is the person going to greet you up front? Do you go to the bar first? You, all those things, they put so much thought into that, right? How Are the chairs high? Are they low? Is, it every, is everything a four-top? Is it a two-top? Is it counter seating? But the gym, it's usually like, oh, we got to get some gym equipment. Hey, Bobby, you work out. What kind of stuff do you use? Can you call the guy? And And it's that kind of stuff, and they get one company that comes in there, and they crank out a line, and right, and that's just that. Yeah, it's like an afterthought. Very much so. Yeah, and that's definitely definitely changing too. Yeah, and the other, you know, actual. I think as people get more aware of actual nutritional principles rather than the old nonsense. Like the other thing that frustrates me about hotels, you look at the healthy menu, and it's not like Erwan, like bone broth and avocado and. No turmeric tonic it's fucking back to egg whites and like low fat and all of this seven grain v- bread yeah, versus exa- white bread exactly <laughs> all of this nonsense that was like 1990 bad science food you know pyramid I mean? yeah and and it's it's just odd to see that hotels and hospitality haven't adapted but i guess it's just cuz people 
haven't demanded that enough yet. Or they, they, yeah, they're, they want it, but they don't know that they can speak up to that. Right. Yeah. Circle back, communicate, just drop a thing in the suggestion box and say, you got to raise the game. Yeah. Say, hey, fuck your egg whites. Right. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I like that you changed everybody behind reception's outfit again, but you didn't bother improving the gym. Yeah. Great. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate that. That's a cool upright bike. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the... A good spa in the hotel too, especially if they have you know good heat, at least heat, and if they have heat and cold, like then, sauna and a plunge. Yeah, ooh, versus all like all the different kind of berries that they rub on your face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Boys or the ones that are like berry or the ones that are like warm. You know, you go in like a the steam room and it's like warm. Yeah, and the sauna is like one thirty, and you're like, ugh, what am I doing? Am in I here? a plant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's fairly fogging up in here. Yeah, yeah. I think hotels now think they have to have a spa. And mm-hmm. you get you get lower-end hotels or hotels that were or, or, or have kind of been passed by just by time, and they, like, quick, let's get a spa and resurrect the place, and they slap it together, and, and it's just not up to par. Let's, fuck it. We're making hotels, Gunner. We're making, we're I'm making so hotels. I'm so ready. All right, fuck I just it. want the gyms. You do the spa. <laughs> okay, cool, yeah. easy. Done. No problem. Hotel, Just something really hot, something really cold. Spas are fucking easy, everybody. Ho- hotel developers should know that there is – just think of an age demographic. There is a demographic out there of people who travel who would pay more to go to a hotel that has a better gym. Mm-hmm. I don't need a 50-inch TV in the room. I'm good with the 42, but make sure there's a squat rack in that bitch, all right? Yeah. I do like when they have the movies in the hotel. I hate it when they don't pay for that little fucking thing that lets you watch the cool movies that are out. They should just be on. If yeah. I had a hotel or an airline, let's go to airlines. So if I had a hotel, the rooms would cost more, but all the amenities would be included mm. because you're going to get the av- you're going to get the occasional douchebag who empties the mini bar every day and then like sells it in the alley or something. But you're going to get a lot of people that don't touch it anyway. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, there's got to be a balance. Yeah. Right? If I had an airline, same thing. Check your bags, free drinks, free food. Yeah. Yeah, the ticket's not 300 it's 420 but look. And uh, don't put pets in that overhead compartment. There. <laughs> <laughs> For sure don't do that. Can you imagine? For sure don't do that. That was such a mess. And it was like two or three, it had like a little domino effect. It yeah. wasn't just an isolated incident. I know. Yeah, they had a couple of those. It's just weird when people make these these like decisions that just don't make sense. You know, I think it's I, I actually got to spend some time with uh, someone from the Israeli Army, and he was a tank operator in the Israeli Army, and he was talking about the difference. Between By the way, the, that could be anyone in Israel, right? Because everybody serves. There you go. Yeah, um, he just happened to be the tank guy, uh, but he was explaining like they have a de- kind of like a decentralized command structure built in, so that like the field, whoever's on the field, can take priority and decisions at any time. So they have like greater autonomy and flexibility, even with like missions than most military systems have, you know, so they like, they like trust the people in the field. If a guy read, says, I got this, I, I saw, I saw something, yeah, I, I want to make this call. Yeah. Everybody has to trust. To read Intel. Well, it just allows them to read Intel instead of like phoning it back and getting, oh, you know, I they see. can like, if they're on a mission, they can change the course of the mission. And I'm sure like certain SEALs and special operators have such similar privileges, you know, when they're out. But that's kind of like the idea of you making up your own mind is built into the Israeli military system, which I thought was interesting. And I think it needs to be built in 
more into, you know, corporate structures as well. But the issue is then there has to be some training, you know, like there has to be the en- enough sure. training for people to make the decisions. That's why there's these corporatized things. But, you know, you got to be able to make these judgment calls where even if the rules say this, you got to be able to go another way. When I took the job at the Lakers last year, that was a big thing. Do, do I have to... Uh, so I knew I had to run by the days they lift. Like, you know, coach, what about Tuesday we get a lift in? And he'd look and he'd say, when's the, you know, when's our game or when's this? Or I'd say, well, this is on this day and then. And he'd go, do you think that's good? I'd say, yeah, that's what I would do from for my body. But, you know, how do you feel? And he'd say, fine. And after a while, he goes, you don't, I don't care. I trust you. Pick it. But I was worried even that there was micromanagement on the exercise selection mm-hmm. level of that because years ago I worked with – I mean I've worked with NBA guys for 22 years. And years ago I worked with a guy in season who had been uh, suspended for however many games, six games or something. And I think it was when the team had been on a uh, an East Coast swing and they sent him back and he was sent to me. And when the strength guy called me, he said, just so you know, we do no legs in season, which was crazy concept to me. And yeah. I said, None? Like just zero? That's fairly unbalanced, but care to explain? And he said, that's just how we do it, which is cool. Like if you're my dad and I'm six and you say, because I'm the dad, that's why. Mm. But this was- It's actually not even cool then. <laughs> like to explain right. to your kid what the reason is. Right. Just, like, I'm yeah, a reason. Walk, Don't be a dick. Walk them through it. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't. But I wondered if this was going to be one of those things where, you know, you have to run everything up the flagpole. And, and it's not at all. I mean, you have autonomy within your department, obviously, which is like you're talking about. Assuming you have the experience, assuming, assuming you have the training, I should have autonomy in my department. Yeah. Right? Yeah, agreed. And I, and I think that extends for anybody who's running a business, anybody who's running an organization, like, Put in the training, give people the trust to make these decisions. Don't Otherwise, hire them if you don't think. Results. Yeah, if you don't think they're going to be capable of doing that after X amount of training, you're probably making a bad hire. Yeah, yeah. So you have the opportunity to work with mega stars. I mean, like I'm in the city of mega stars. You know, me- I get like, like super mega stars. Uh, yeah, but I get texts from clients and DMs and this uh, from not from clients, excuse me, from from trainers around the world. I want to do what you do, and you go, what do you mean you want to do? What is it you want to do? You want to train people? You want to train high-level athletes? You want to train people who are highly achieved? You want to train celebrities? Because right there, that's flag on the play. Uh-huh. Why do you want to train celebrities? You know, let's hear your reason. Do you want to train celebrities because you want to tell stories to the people back home? Do you want to train celebrities because you have an ulterior motive and really you want to, like, find a way to give them the script that you wrote and hopefully uh-huh. get your movie produced? Do you want to train them because you have a platform in fitness and you realize that it's hard to get – that message out there with any authority unless you're able to attach it in some way directly or indirectly to a celebrity, that I get. Now we can have a conversation. Well, and that's actually probably what's going to be celebrity repellent, you know, because anybody in a position of power is very finely tuned and sensitive to those people who are offering a little bit to try and take a lot. Big time. And, And that's something that you have to be mindful of. If you are trying to attract somebody who's a big influencer, big name, you just give. You give blindly. Don't always take give. You, you give blindly. You give asking nothing. And guess what? Eventually, reciprocity will come back in your favor. Or if it's not and that guy's an asshole, oh, well, like right. whatever. And then either enjoy it for the 60 minutes that it is yeah. until you no longer are into it or or nip it right there and, and find somewhere else to shop that time. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think that's where people get it off. They have they have the ask built into the give. You know what I mean? Like it, you can just as You're soon as you scratch, hand, yeah, as soon as you <laughs> scratch the surface of it, you know, you see what's there, and that's going to be something that's going to prevent any actual friendship or any other type of deeper relationship that could actually be beneficial. Yeah, I mean. Y- yeah, and you can't just want to align yourself with those megastars because there's some – it can't be ulterior. Your yeah. motive can be what it is, but be upfront with it. Yeah. Or table it until it's your turn. Mm-hmm. But you can't – it's not a trade, by the way. They're not coming to you bartering their time and your expertise for the next thing you want. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a tough concept for a lot of the – people that come out here and try to connect with the celebrities, not just in the training world, but on any level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Is there, is there, I mean, as you get more famous, there's kind of, you kind of create a field of distortion around you because of that, right? Like so many people, you can do so much good for everybody around you that people's greed starts to come out. People's insecurities start to come out. It's just like this gravitational field that you start to project that creates you know, effects in a lot of the people around you. I think that's why a lot of famous people that I know, they like the people who've been around them for the longest because they see the, a lesser, lesser degree of that kind of gravitational force. Um, you know, is that something that the people you work with, is that something they acknowledge and talk about or is that just something that, you know, they kind of inherently think, deal with? I think you touched on it. They're fairly tuned into. um when they meet someone, there's that energy, right? Does this guy want something from me? Is he going to ask for an autograph? Is he, is he going to ask for a picture? Is he going to ask for a role in my next movie? Is he going to ask for what's the ask going to be? Mm-hmm. So I think to me the way to do it is never ask for anything. Yeah. And, and eventually it's right. It's it's the uh, the old Tom Sawyer, the, the paint the fence thing, right? You just keep painting and eventually someone's going to say, why are you painting that fence? Can I paint it? And you just say no, no, no. And then can I pay you to paint it? And now we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you don't ask for anything, eventually they they bring I mean, I have people who just who bring stuff to the gym. And it's kind of fun. I mean, it's great. I love when they do that. It's cool. I didn't have to ask. I wouldn't have asked at this stage. But it's cool that they want their stuff to be on the wall of the gym. I'm sure yeah. you're finding it the same at on it. You've got to have people who... I don't know if it's jerseys or just, you know, car hoods, but at the end of the day, people will bring random funny things. I have a, I worked with a a tennis player for years, big time, monster, monster, pro tennis player, champion. And he used to um, like to train with the heat on in the gym Mm -hmm. and he'd take it, you know, higher than other clients would like it. So there was about a two hour period where I said to my other trainer, hey, just so you know, anybody you book at that time. It's essentially hot as balls in here, and you just have to be up with that because they're going to come in and not like that. And if they come in at 4 o'clock versus the 11 o'clock, they're going to go, oh, why is the gym nice at 4? And you can't always say it's because it's closer to sundown. You know, you got to just say this is when we do this with this guy to the point where the heater broke. And just the little motor inside the big – when people think of a heating unit, right? Do you think of that big thing outside the back of your house with the big fan? But inside that, there's a little tiny motor, right? It's it's about the size of a car battery. And it broke. He just burned it out just because we cranked it all the time. And I wanted him to sign that because 
that would have been my car hood, right? Right. And he thought it was hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of stuff, it doesn't cost, I mean, obviously it costs the price of repairing the heater, but that's going to happen anyway. So those little things to me make up the fabric of, of your spot and that's the energy. And they'll say, and I think he suggested we should just sign that and leave it on the windowsill. Yeah. Because it was funny. Yeah. It, you see that authenticity, you know, when brands or any brand is just out kind of paying to plaster their logo somewhere or paying to get some yeah. kind of affiliation or paying to have the after party or paying. Like, it just never quite feels right. Ever. You know, like, right. it never, never quite No matter feels how right. many drinks you're pumping in the people at that party, <laughs> they're eventually going, where are you going after this? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's, you know, going back to that, just holding down the real vibe, you know, just being being true to you. Got to be authentic. 100%. Right? Guarantee you guys work out at your gym. <laughs> yeah. Right? Me too. Work out at my gym every day, 5 a.m. with my training partner, Brad, who's the other trainer there. Every day. Yeah. People, you know, if, if somebody says, come work out somewhere else, yeah, for a second workout or something like that. But sure. that's my home spot. I never understood trainers who didn't train in the gym where they worked. Yeah. It's weird to me. It's super weird. Yeah. But like, that's, they got their own thing going. There's a different agenda. Well, how many, you know, I mean, I meet a lot of, you know, supplement CEOs and different people who don't take their stuff, <laughs> you know, like in any, in anything or don't use their, don't use their, their shit, you know, and then you always end up reading that and then the organization ends up reading that and you can be successful still if you're really clever. Right. You're but, running a car dealership. You better be driving that car. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Don't roll up in something else, weirdo. Yeah. It's hard for me to buy one now. <laughs> it is an interesting phenomenon, though, where people have this kind of idea that entrepreneurship should be about basically being Wizard of Oz and just pulling the right smoke and mirror and levers and projections and creating this thing and then hoping to trick people into into liking it even though you don't like it yourself. Well, yeah, if they say, well, you know, and I go back to gym scenario because I'll stay in my lane. Um, yeah, but the gym doesn't have this. But then I would say lobby for that piece. Lobby to management, lobby to ever trainers, God forbid, save up, buy it yourself. You know, you pay that in. Now the gym has that piece. Now you're there more often. Now you're seen by more people. You'll probably end up with more clients or if it's a corporate structure, you'll probably be moved up the, the ladder at a faster rate than you might have you know, because you're there more. Mm-hmm. There, nothing, in my experience, nothing pays back at a higher rate than the time spent. Like if I'm in the gym more, I'm infinitely more effective and and I'm going to get more by being in there, whether it's training more people or sitting at the desk rather than, not that occasional, you know, walk outside, clear your head doesn't help, but mm-hmm. always dipping out to run an errand, mm-hmm. that can consume your life. And that's a lot of valuable time that's going away. Yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta be willing to put in the time, the sacrifice, pay the blood price, as I say. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever, like whatever it is. Yeah, I like that. You know, pay it, pay it enough that it hurts. <laughs> you know, and then the universe tends to listen when you pay it enough that it hurts. Sometimes my wife will say, what time are you home? And I'll say... 6.15, and she'll say, are you done at 6? And I'll say, no, I'm done at 4.30. And, you know, we've been together for long enough that she knows she's not going to say, well, can you come home at 5? Yeah. She gets that being there, decompressing, sorting out what I need to sort out, anything I saw during the course of the day out, 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 you know, out of the corner of my eye that I thought, 
I got to tweak that or I got to change that or I need to sit and prep this so that when I'm home, I can be home 100% versus home and, you know, still one hand on the phone, one hand on the paper. I, it's just mm. you can be 100% wherever you are. Do you have a strategy for leaving work at work when you get home? I mean, is there any process that you go through? I mean, look, I'm self-employed, so no, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I could lie to you go, yes, when I come home, I'm a 1,000% committed. I also write workouts for every client every day the night before mm-hmm. and I do it with the kids I sit and do homework when they do homework and now they're a little older so they'll always sit in the room with them but I'll go in my area my room or whatever while they're doing it and I and I and I commit to that time and I have the laptop out and I have the phone out and I'm preparing based on the two previous workouts the person did how many more times I'm going to see them during the week and I map it out in a way that I do that and if the schedule you know you get calls the way it works out especially out here it's not a lot of, there are not the people that we work with are not a lot of nine to fivers right sure so it's somebody whose call time gets switched or somebody whose practice gets changed and it means they don't want to come in at eight or nine they want to come in at one yeah so then it means i'm moving my one my two and my three to put somebody in, and it's just a little it's a it's a constant shell game yeah and i don't mind it you have to embrace that you can't go fuck i'm tired of changing the schedule <laughs> Just relax. I mean, you can, but you're going to end up with a lot of free time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she can't make it at all now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Is there, uh, do you have opportunities to completely unplug where you just take a vacation, shut your phone off entirely? I don't shut the phone off. That's stressful for me. Like, you're on your phone. Because if if a message comes in and I handle it, as opposed to handling 50 of them at 6 (laughs) p.m., That would just stress me out. You turn on your phone, it goes ring, ring, and they just start piling in. Uh Um, The first day of vacation, the first day and a half are actually tough because people forget you're on vacation. Mm -hmm. And they just keep hitting you up as though it's a normal work day and you're still a little bit of a slave to the phone. You only go to it every couple hours or so. Uh, But after that, no, it's easy. It's easy enough. Handle them as they come in. Right. What if is you're your, on your second bottle of wine, you <laughs> pretty much table your phone. <laughs> That's just a good. What is your tool. ideal vacation? <laughs> like what? It, what for you is? I mean, you're a hard, hard ass working guy. What's the, your vacation? Vacation with kids or without kids? Because they're t- both are phenomenal. But uh-huh. I mean, vacation, vacation. Look, I'm not. I'm not gonna ever not like a vacation. Yeah. But that's a, give me, it's two give separate me, structures. Give me both. Give me both. Oh, uh, my wife and I took a baby moon before the baby. We went to uh, to Bora Bora. Cool. And I got two hours in the gym every day. And if I got two hours in the gym, I'm good for anything. Yeah. Whatever else happens, we're good. Mm-hmm. Whether you eat bad or you have you know one drink too many or you take a nap that you didn't plan on, and I'll I'll take that all day. But I like the activities. I like doing stuff. I'm not good just sitting still four hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at my complexion. I don't I don't tan. Period. Right. Even if I stay out there, it's just not you know I get like maybe a golden, but maybe more like a strawberry. So that's that's a bad use of my time. But something active, anything, anything on the water active, I'll take all that. Any games, any sports, anything. Not necessarily good at any of them, but I like being, I like moving and doing stuff. Um, and and with the kids, anything traveling, I think that's the best education you can give a kid. Yeah, I've taken my kids all over the world. Yeah, I was super grateful for my parents who took me all over Europe and different yep. places, and yep. being able to experience that for sure. And I was raised overseas. So going back to, uh, I was in a boarding school with my brother in Switzerland, and my parents lived in, uh, they lived all over, but, you know, London, Saudi Arabia, Paris, Normandy, Argentina, and and we traveled a lot. So taking my kids to some of those spots 
you know, there's a reminiscing component to it, but there's also uh, seeing it yourself through a grown-up's eyes versus through a kid's eyes, but then again, through your kid's eyes. It's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit. Now, you train a lot of— Are you going to take a dump now? What? Are you going to take a dump now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, you're my buddy. I've told you. Oh, that's right. I mean, unless you're, you're, trying, you're auditioning as my lover, then I'm not going to take a dump in front of you. And I, I don't think that's going to work, by the way. I don't think it's going to work. So you train a lot of people who appearance and aesthetics. You know, on it, our gym, it's very much about functionality. The athletes Stop are very that much about bullshit. That's such a great starter. Oh, we don't care how we look. We just want to function really well. Right, but at the Both end of the day— Both go hand in hand. What's that? Both go hand in hand, for sure. 100%. We are a visual society. Look at this. My voice just went up. I'm on my soapbox, bitches. Uh-huh. Get it. We are Get a it, visual GP. society. You can't turn around, especially in this town, without seeing a bus, a billboard, a TV commercial, something on your phone, somebody with a good body. And it makes you want to make your body better. Now, you may not want to be a bodybuilder. You may not want to be, you know, shredded— um, Frank Madrano, but you want to look better. You want whoever you're with to be attracted to you. I know they're attracted to you because you're a good person and your personality. That's a great story. But at the end of the day, when the lights are on, you want them to look at you and not be repulsed. You want them to go, oh, I want a piece of that. That's how we are as human beings. It doesn't mean you have to be that nth degree, but you do plus – it's fun to take care of yourself. You're, it's, it is the natural inherent result look, of training well. Working out, training, it's the equivalent to detailing your car. You want your car to look as good as it can look. And sometimes upgrading your entire car from a fucking minivan to, there you a, go. <laughs> and, to a Maserati. And you don't want someone to trade you in for that car. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it doesn't have to only be rooted in that. But there's a huge component to how we look. Look at clothing. Women, uh, you train. Why do we do so much back and shoulder stuff? Because look at your clothing, ma'am. So much of it is cut to reveal the shoulders and your upper back. I want that. I want to pay into that, Mm. right? I want that to be. I don't want that to be the one thing we left, you know, the stone we left unturned. And then here comes that sundress and we go, oh, God. Whoops. Well, that's that's what I want to get into is I want to get into, you know, you, you know, we do have people obviously who want to look good and come to on and that is their primary goal. But you have people who that's their job. Like that's not really our clientele. Our clientele, they look, they want to look good, but it's not their job. You have people who's literally whose fucking job Correct. is to look a certain way for a movie role, to look a certain way in a dress, to look. So like, what are some of the what are some of the tips? I think you just gave one, actually, like women doing more back and shoulders yeah. because everything is low cut. Like, what are some of these tips for men for and women? hundred years ago, I had an actress I was working with, uh, leading lady. Actually, she was still, like, coming up, ingenue leading lady, right? And I had her on. It was a glute movement. And she goes, why are we doing so much of this? And I said, look, I mean, a couple of reasons. Your ass is one. I mean, from an aesthetic standpoint, uh-huh. it's also from a metabolic standpoint, it's the largest muscle group of the body. It's going to drive you more metabolically. So overall, you're going to get more development. And she goes, and I said, and career-wise, let's think about it, you know? And she goes, my acting has nothing to do with my ass. And I go, really? Really? Try rolling into your next audition at 190 and see if you get a call back. 
She goes, what? I said, you'll be reading for character actress parts before you know it. I said, not that that's not coming in time because that's just the way it works. But right now, <laughs> let's get competitive about it. Every girl, every woman in your category is honing her look. Yeah, you sure. have to be competitive. That's your edge. You know, that's an athlete working on lateral quickness or first step explosiveness. You got to have that. And I'm not saying it's just you're not booking that job if you're horrific at your craft and you walk in with a great ass. You're not – I mean, unless you're auditioning at a strip club. I mean, <laughs> right. But, you know, you, that's, part of the, that's part of the package nowadays. Everything is so much more three-dimensional. It's not like uh, – Jimmy Stewart, the actor, said it about today's actor. If, back in the day, they honed their craft so much more. Nowadays, when they're not honing their craft, they have to be honing their bodies to play leading men. Mm-hmm. You'd be hard-pressed to find a leading man – who's not jacked right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just part of the par for the course. And we expect it. <clears throat> we expect it. Even even the people who aren't aware that they expect it, if they go to a film and the leading man, there's the scene where whether he changes or it's a sex scene, whatever, and he takes off his shirt and he's not in great shape, they look and they go, hmm, <laughs> somebody's lost a step. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah. So, and I'm not trying to be superficial about it, but I think that's, we're a visual Fair. society is what I would say. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. All right, so females focus upper back, glutes, glutes, glutes. But however, uh, brides to be don't have to focus only on glutes. The wedding gown is one of the most glute forgiving garments ever <laughs> designed. Uh-huh. I mean, honey, <laughs> so bustle in a train. I mean, there's a lot of room in there for a lot of wiggle room. If you know yeah. what I mean. Um, but you got to think of the think of how that dress is designed. What do you say to the women who say, I don't want to do arms because I don't want my arms to get too developed. Blah, great blah, story. Blah, blah, blah. That's, that's great. Tell me more what you want to do <laughs> right after this set. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> if, you, if, you don't wanna, if you just want to do what you want, you know, I actually just want to go lie down. Like, <laughs> is that, are, we, are we all weighing in or is it just you? I mean, you came to me for a reason. Yeah. And I'm looking at the body comprehensively, but I am going to, I'm always going to play a little bit to your strength because there's the the positive reinforcement, but I'm also going to work really hard on shoring up the weaknesses. Yeah. Because then it's all going to come together and balance out. That makes sense. All right, leading man, you you want to look like a superhero. Glutes. It goes to glutes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It does. Well, I'll tell you what. Again, metabolically, you got to think about it. You got to do big body movement. You have to train the lower body to develop the upper body. Yeah, but you're, I th- it feel like you're talking about squats, like squats for men and like bands for women, or am I just imagining that? No, you're imagining that. Squats I'm imagining for that. everyone. Squats for everyone. Yeah, I mean, look, and it could be if people, I can't do squats. Well, I'm not asking you to axial load two times your body weight and go down, you know, ass to grass, but I am saying, please. Let's do something that is a multi-joint lower extremity move. Mm-hmm. We could do it with a, a kettlebell. Wait a minute, plug an on-it kettlebell. <laughs> See how I did that? Uh, or, or we can do um, – there's so many ways. Look, I'm not going over squats. With you. We can. Sure. But do a squat. Do something where – do something where it's multi-joint, where you get down, where you get low, where you drive through your heels, where you come up, where you fire the glutes. It could be a hip thrust. It could be a hip bridge. It can be a squat. It can be, uh, I mean, how, how So many? whoever you are, build from the ground up. That's basically, you know, part of it. Yeah, right. The yeah. original line of hammer equipment came out. It was all, all your power is ground-based. So let's develop some power. Mm-hmm. Let's get in touch with that. Oh, gluteal amnesia, blah, blah. I got it. So let's wake them up. 
Mm-hmm. Let's find a way. I don't feel that on my glutes. I feel that on my quads. Okay, then we're going to make X, Y, Z adjustment. Adjustment. Tell me about one of those adjustments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to make X, Y, Z adjustments until you can feel that fire, until you can tap into that those muscles firing. You need to create those firing patterns so that you can be, so that we can get the glutes to work, and then we'll find a way to to move all the way up. Yeah. What are some of the, you know, because my glutes, I have that same issue. My glutes, my, I'm quad dominant, you know, but my glutes don't always fire, right. you know, as correctly as they should. Like, so what are some of the adjustments that you make for somebody like myself? You ever use, uh, you ever use a hip circle? You know yeah. Hip circle? Uh, yeah. Mark, Mark Bell. Bell. Mm-hmm. Love those. Love those too. Me too. Love them. And different placements going to create different firing patterns, right? Whether you go above the knee whether you go below the knee or you go to the ankle, and, and you can sequence that, and you can start high and drop low. You can start low, go high. You could do different movements. With them. You can do like little jab steps with them. You can step, if you're looking at a clock face, right? You're standing in the center of the clock. You can step to 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, or you can move you know, laterally. Or you can, mm. There's so many different ways to do that just to, just to warm it up. Hip bridge, hip thrust, glute bridge, all that stuff. I love all those movements from you know Brett Contreras to, to Jim in, in Oregon. There's so many guys doing great stuff with that. There's so many machines out now for that. You know, that used to be such an awkward movement, an Arex pad on your hips and a barbell and get on a bench and hope sure. it does. And now there's so many great pieces out for that. Yeah. That's that's cool. I think that's good advice because I think that's something that probably most guys are ignoring. I mean, I think girls that I've seen in the gym, they're pretty aware that they want to work their glutes. You yes. Know? Like that request comes pretty pretty quick right. on the list of requests, well, but well, not, so mu- not so much on the request for the guys. And as a trainer, you can look clairvoyant when they come to you and they say, let me guess. So I'm going to you want to do glutes, abs, and triceps? And they go, yeah. And I go, we're going to start with pull-ups. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean, just to move it around, they're going to get it. And, and you are going to work. Th- I mean, in our gym, we, we hit a lot. We do a lot of full-body stuff. Yeah. We do a lot of sled work. We do a lot of stuff that, that may look counterintuitive. They might go, sled, I don't, I don't want to get big. I don't want to look like a football player. I go, no football player ever wore a jog bra. Don't worry. You're <laughs> totally fine. Let's push the sled. And we don't load it up. I mean, like James Harrison, we, it's just, it is what it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's movement. It's, it's a sled push. Yeah. Those are movements that are great for everybody. No doubt. I love, I love hearing your little comments about how you address objections. I feel like, I feel like we get to have like a little window over uh, your shoulder over a million conversations. That exactly. You've had over your but career. I say all that and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be a dick about it. And that's exactly how I raise my kids. I mean, I let you say it. It's great. That's interesting. But, I mean, really, if you think that's the first time I've heard that, that's you're insulting me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think that that's going to sway me, come on. So what – all right, all right. So so your your clients, you know, just, just kind of whining and just kind of whinging about what they have to do. <laughs> what? Here, give me one. Let's go. Let's, just, let's, let's role play. Let's role play. Uh-huh. Oh, we have to do another set of that? No, we don't have to do anything. We can actually call it right now. You want to throw, just throw the towel in? We can bag it. You want to go? Should we go eat? <laughs> That's exactly what I would say. Yeah. I'm, gonna get, no, I'm not even going to say it anymore. That's, I'm going to respond to you the way I would respond to said whinge. Let's hear it. Are you sure? That looks pretty heavy. I mean, it's heavier than the last set, but it's actually not heavy. Look at all the other weights in here that I could load on that bar. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Oh, uh, I, I think I'm still sore from the last workout. The last workout on Monday? <laughs> it's Thursday. Come on, let's get serious. 
Let's move. Let's move the blood. Let's flush that soreness out and replace it with new soreness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get, I my get. Whole, it's all positive. Look, yeah. at the end of the day, everything I say, yeah, it's a little snarky, a little smart-assy, but it's, the end goal is to move the ball down the field for you, right? Yeah. I'm on your offensive team. I'm not playing defense. I'm not fighting you. Yeah. I'm going with you because remember why you came here. Yeah. However many days, weeks, months, years ago that was, you came here to get to a certain place. I'm always resetting the ship to follow that initial compass setting that we had, yeah. right? Yeah. You may go over here, but I'm always going to bring us back to that until you give me other orders. Do I worked you, with a guy years ago. He's starting for a film. Uh, and I don't want to say his name. That would be indiscreet. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. And uh, <laughs> he came for a film and he was training for something. And the body was to look like, I don't remember what the first incarnation was. And then he changed it. He came in. He said, uh, that, that movie's not happening. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to lose him. Because he was so, he and is. Uh, such a fun guy to work with, right? Oh, wait, Austin guy. Woo, woo, look how I yep, did that. Connect yep, those boom. dots, baby. Um, and he was going to do something where he was a diver. Mm-hmm. And I go, uh, okay, so we need to adjust that because the training from before, it was, it was a different type of role. So diver body, I, I can see that in my head, right? I know what we're looking at. I know what we're going to do. Uh, I've dived before. I know, how, okay. And we changed that. And then maybe six weeks, seven weeks later, he came in and he said, I've changed uh, the movie. I'm not doing that now. I'm doing another one called Sahara. I said, oh, funny. There's a book out called Sahara. He goes, what do you know about that book? I said, uh, uh, it's written by Clive Cussler. It's about uh, Dirk Pitt and his buddy Al Giardino, and they work for a guy named Admiral Sandecker at NUMA. It's an underwater military thing, and his girlfriend's Eva Rojas, and I mean, I don't know. I read all of them as a kid. How am I doing? <laughs> Is it a test? Yeah. And he goes, what do you know about Dirk Pitt? I said, uh, everything. He goes, I'm playing Dirk Pitt. And I go, huh, Dirk Pitt's 6'4". And he goes, Dirk Pitt's 5'11 and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, understood. Yeah. <laughs> or as Matthew says, heard. Right? Like, great. Yeah. I got it. So you're shifting, you're changing, and, and you want it to look a certain way. You want to yeah. look more like a quarterback than a linebacker. That's a distinct that's a distinct distinction. Is that redundant? But you know what I mean? That's that's pretty fine, but picture them in your head. Go through four or five quarterbacks in your head, then go through four or five linebackers in your head. You're gonna train those guys differently. Yeah. And I, I really like what you said about always returning to that internal initial discussion where you set the compass. And if the compass changes, then reset it. But if you don't tell me it changes, don't expect me to guess. Yeah, no, it's your job. It's your job to hold true to that vision. That's right. And I think, you know, us as our own coach, it's our job to hold true to our own vision of where we want to go as well. But you're hiring me, you're hiring me to man the ship. Yeah. Right? Because (laughs) because you may not. Mm -hmm. And probably chances are, you haven't in the past or you have for a while, but then you sleep at the wheel. And so now you're asking me not to. So I'm going to always come back to that. And I always have on your team, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know, can, can we be done? It? Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you want. I mean, we're trying to go to this place. This is what you told me. This is where I'm headed. 
But if you want to be done now, it just means that place is going to be that yeah, it far. It just away. cuts all the cuts all the games and just back and forth. And yeah, I mean, it's it, not a discussion. It sense. It's not. Let's make a deal. We're not. <laughs> that's not how we're doing this. Beautiful. Well, I know there's going to be a lot of trainers who are listening to this and appreciating these. He's fucking such an words asshole at LA. <laughs> hey, no, I man. Hate that guy. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'd be the same if I lived in that zip code. Yeah. All right, come on out. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. There's room enough. Um, Beautiful, man. Anything else you want to uh, draw attention to before we wrap this up? I just want to plug on it right now. Too late for that? No, oh, I already not got that. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I have. Uh, I have so much of your equipment. You guys make quality stuff. Okay, brother. Yeah. Uh, you, look, you've been in my spot. You, you've been in my spot. You've seen the stuff I have. I, I wouldn't have it. Everything I have in there. It's funny. We um, we move stuff. It's funny. You'd be the judge of that. Um, Brad and I move stuff around in the gym a lot, and it, it comes down to. There's nothing in there that's not the perfect piece if we're not using it because it was all hand-selected, right? We cherry-picked everything. We're not yeah. married to one line. We have stuff from everywhere. If it's not being used, it's literally because it's in the wrong place. It's in a place where there's no flow. We can't. It's hard to access or it doesn't work with what's around it. If we're using these two, three pieces here but the one piece off to the left never gets touched – you got to bring that out into the light. You got to move it around. Mm. And we used, uh, I don't use the maces as much as I want, hence why I want to go to take that class. But we use the steel clubs and the kettlebells just nonstop. They're great conversation starters. They're, they're effective workout tools. And, and they're fun. They take like, I do this, I do this lunge, this lunge. Here comes one of the secrets. Get your pens out. I do this lunge matrix with the steel clubs combined with an upper body move, either in the same plane of motion or I switch up the plane of motion. So it's a reaching lunge. And if it's same plane of motions, step back, front raise, mm-hmm. lateral lunge, lateral raise, twisting lunge. And then I do like this monkey roll with that because it's hard to just do a twisting move with your shoulder. So if you want to do a lunge delt matrix, right? And we mix it up with the steel clubs and then you finish it off with curls and then you flip the grip on them into hammer curls. Your heart rate is higher than your SAT score for sure, and your 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 whole body is lit like yeah. glutes are on fire, quads are on fire. The core has been working because of the different planes of motion that the upper body had to take the weight to that distal point. Plus, your delts and biceps are smoked. I mean, what better than that, right? Love it. Yeah, that's but badass. It's just just cool tools. And then yep. you didn't ask me for anybody thinks this was not a plan or a plug. That's me just telling you what stuff we use in our facility. I appreciate it, my brother. Look forward sure. to having you out to on it, for sure. Oh, Where there. can people uh, find you, follow you, et cetera? Uh, GunnarPeterson.com is the website. There's nothing for sale there because I'm great trainer, great father, great husband, shitty businessman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, at Gunner Fitness on Instagram and at Gunner on Twitter. Dope. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for having me. Good I appreciate it. my man. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Peace. This last week has been incredible launching my first book. I want to thank everybody for the early feedback, all the support, all the love. Let's keep it going. Let's spread the word. Everybody who wants to join me on that Own the Day Facebook community, please do. And otherwise, tell your friends. Let's get this book as far and wide as we possibly can. Again, you can check out ownthedaybook.com or literally it's everywhere at your Barnes and Noble, at Amazon, download on Audible. Let's just keep spreading the love. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you.